Welcome to the Slip in Atlanta Sports Podcast for the true ATLian. I'm the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore Slip. You can follow me live on Twitch at twitch.tv underscore Bairdian Slip. No, no underscore with that one. We're back with a lot of good talk and a lot of good things going on to help you realize what's going on in Atlanta. We're going to be talking a lot about. I'm going to be talking a lot about the Falcons today and in the current state of the Falcons. Um, you know, I'll give you the little bit of Braves update now. There is no update. We're still in the lockout here. Um, I may give you a little bit of a Hawks update and then I'll also plan on giving you a little bit of Atlanta United update. We're going to do a lot of quick updates today because there really isn't a whole lot going on. The only team that's actually playing right now is the Atlanta Hawks, but there's a lot of other things going on um, that really need to be addressed that is especially going on and is important for this Atlanta Falcons community. And that's where I'm going to focus on next. So let me tell you what I'm slipping on. You don't want to piss him off. Here is what he's slipping on. In Drelton Simmons, Joseph Ilicic, Calvin Ridley, Antonio Brown. Four names that have always been having something in common. Yet, from three different sports and four different teams... They're connected by this one thing, mental health. Three out of those players, of course, excluding Antonio Brown, have all taken breaks within their respective sports recently in the past year and a half to two years because of mental health issues, which is a growing problem and a problem that needs to be addressed more in sports. But as someone who is a big mental health advocate for obvious reasons, it is interesting to see that there really is nothing to see about what teams are actually able to do in these instances. They talk a lot about sports psychology and they talk a lot about having a psychologist around on sports. But is that actually something that is carried on? Is that actually something that these teams have? And the answer is, I don't know. We don't know exactly what the teams are doing to help these individuals handle their mental health issues, or what are they doing to follow through to ensure that those issues are being handled. Most recently, we have seen Antonio Brown um, talk about a lawsuit that he's going to have against the Buccaneers for them offering him $200,000 for him to go see a therapist in the midst of the season where he seemingly was not having any mental health issues until it was noticeable that he walked off the field in the middle of a game taking off his shirt taking off his pads and hyping up the crowd as he goes into the tunnel, never to play for the Buccaneers again. He was later cut that week. They, the audience and the, the 
you know, the fans around the sport were obviously saying, man, there's something wrong going on with Antonio Brown. There's something that he needs help with. Is this CTE? Is this some bigger issue that's going on that's not being handled? And this is why there needs to be a more thorough basis within these NFL teams to ensure that they can protect themselves, as well as making sure these individuals are getting the help that they may need. It should be written in within every single collective bargaining agreement that at the very least, under a team's recommendation, when they determine that some mental health issue has been talked about or expressed, that they require a psychological evaluation, just a brief meeting to assess exactly what's going on. As someone who was fighting hard to reduce the instances of suicide in our society and actually helping individuals deal with things like anxiety and depression and bigger issues when when individuals have personality disorders in the NFL like Brandon um, 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 Brandon Marshall or when they have another kind of issue a longer term issue potentially like bipolar or schizophrenia now it's very uncommon for people with those kind of mental health issues to not be seen earlier in their career and it's not something that really needs to be expressed to an NFL team that is within their rights to express it to those teams but ensuring that when you are under the watchful eye of a team and they see that something is going on it should be collectively bargained that a team can say, hey, we would like you to do this. With the full understanding that a player can deny that request and that nothing bad happened to them. But the fact that we're not sure if an NFL team is able to do something or not able to do something is a big problem with me. And that Antonio Brown recently coming back and saying, hey, they made us do this, and I don't like that. And paying him $200,000 to try to do that really exemplifies a core value that doesn't make any sense. You don't make a pact with people with mental health issues. You don't bribe them into money or, or force them into a situation where you they feel pigeonholed because they're going to react in a way that you don't want. How would you feel if you were forced into a situation to deal with issues that you may not know how to deal with or issues that you want to deal with on your own? And someone saying, hey, we'll give you $200,000, like that's just going to make it okay. Antonio Brown's actions are not okay within these situations because there are correct ways where you can handle this. The way that he handled it did not look professional. It did not look like someone who was able to have a real grasp on what was going on and how to actually manage that in a way that benefits him. On the other hand, 
the Buccaneers organization and front office offering him $200,000 was also wrong. Because what if he takes that and does and just lies and doesn't do anything? Because the last thing someone who is depressed, who is self-harming, maybe even suicidal, will help is when there's an obligation because at the end of the day, they don't care. If some real mental health issue is happening, they don't care what you think. They're going to carry out what they feel they need to do. And thus, it increases the importance of making sure that there's an appropriate avenue for people to actually recommend and deny or accept a way to get help. Otherwise, these issues will continue. That's where people like Andrew Elton Simmons, he was able to come back. We'll see if Calvin Ridley is able to come back. We have seen people like Hayden Hurst and Dak Prescott talk about the mental health issues and the things that they, they have done to help with those things. And ensuring that these professional athletes have a safe avenue to be able to be guided to the right answers and for them to be able to take that is absolutely important. To make sure that there's no snafu of someone offering a, a total sum of money to, to try to force them into getting mental health issues. Because that's not an effective way to go about that. We need to use the proven, rec, um, proven think studies and methods that have shown to actually encourage people to get help. And make it a more open conversation, not just in professional sports, where it's obviously dominated by an antiquated masculinity that doesn't talk about feelings and doesn't talk about their issues. But one that's more open and encouraging to make sure that people are getting the help that they need. You're listening to the slip of Brandon Bear. Welcome back to the slip. It's time to get into a little bit of Falcons talk. And the Falcons are in quite a situation. They actually have a little bit of cap space. I think they are up to $14 million in cap space. And they can create up to $20 million more in cap space with various moves. However... There are a lot of pieces that this Falcons teams need. When I was talking with uh, Mike outside of the sessions when we were doing the Falcons grade, we calculated up to 10 positions, starting positions, that needs to get filled for the Falcons. And I'm going to tell you right now, $14 million is not enough to fill those positions, even if every single draft pick that is drafted is going to be a, a bona fide starter, which absolutely never happens. Realistically, you hope to get at least two starters out of this draft, which means that you are going to have to get eight other players through free, free agency or hope that someone on the team is going to be able to step up. Now, I do think that at least four people are in prime positions to step up and do what they're supposed to do. And even within that, 
you still need to draft at least three or four other people that can come in and help contribute on this team. There's a lot of work for this front office that needs to get done. And here's what I feel like they need to do in this offseason. One, they need to work on their pass rush. Um, when I'm thinking about the Falcons, they haven't had a pass rush in so long. They really haven't had a pass rush since John Abraham. I mean, we can talk about how Beasley led the NFL in sacks that one season. But was he really that dominant? I think you can say he was good. But was he dominant? I can't say so. He got six of those 15 sacks within two day, two games. The rest of those nine sacks, which is a pretty good number for a above average defensive end, you know, that's pretty good. But then he wasn't able to stay consistent within that, which created problems down the road. I think the Falcons need to get somebody within the draft to help off the edge, whether it's a bona fide stutter like Aiden Hutchinson which I don't think they're going to be able to get. Um, but there's also a guy, Karloftis, a guy out of Purdue who seems to be a big power rusher. And I think that's the guy that I hope they go with. And I'm not going to get too much into the draft because that's going to be a whole different segment on a whole different day as I want to make sure I go through the first three mock drafts that I'm going to go through, which I'll then present to y'all. However, I do feel like if they cannot go edge, they need to go corner because that's another position that they need to fill. And either one of those needs to be addressed within free agency. I think that edge rusher needs to be addressed in free agency regardless of what happens. I think you need a veteran presence that you know that you can count on. And there's a good handful of people out on the free agent market or should be out on the free agent market to where you don't have to pay for some overpay for someone like they did with Dante Fowler and then be let down when he can't get over four sacks a guy who's been a complete disappointment and who's going to be on the team next year but really needs to be relegated to third downs and I even question his ability on that. Definitely going to be overpaid for a guy that's only be going on third down. But that's why it's important for you to draft another guy that can do something like that. As well as getting a guy who can consistently rush the passer. I'm not saying he needs to get 15 to 18 sacks. But at least someone who can get at least 8. And can provide some consistency. Another thing they need to address is someone on the O-line. Whether it's a center or a left guard, they have two people that I'm worried about a guy who was just thrown in at left guard. I wonder if Jalen Mayfield's going to be able to make that leap. But I say bring somebody in and provide some of that competition to him. Or you can bring in a center where you can have a little bit of consistency in what that guy can do. A guy that can actually protect Matt Ryan because so many of his sacks came within the first second and a half 
where he wasn't even had a, a chance to get rid of the ball in a quick in a quick passing situation. If Matt Ryan is not able to get rid of the ball because Matt Ryan's going to be around, I'll tell you that much. And they need to restructure his deal and not extend him. You have to provide a little bit more of protection for him. And lastly, the position that you need to fill within um, free agency is you need a defensive tackle with some consistency. Now, they had some people doing all right as they were thrown in, but these are very low low on a totem pole guys. There's a guy that I know my man the Giggities would, would hate for him to leave, but Hakeem Hicks would be a great partner for Grady Jarrett in free agency to help with that interior pass rush because at some point Grady had his worst season of his career this past year maybe his worst season since his um since his freshman uh since his rookie season there were also multiple times where I saw him getting triple teamed and the rest of the defensive line not being able to do anything the Falcons are going to have to spend money. And there's a way to free up that money to get dudes that know how to play and have proven track records in free agency and not have to overpay for these people. And the things that they need to do, one, they need to restructure Matt Ryan, as I mentioned before. They need to extend Grady Jarrett because there's been the discussions of, hey, is he going to be a guy that you need for the future? Dude is a top five defensive tackle within the NFL. That is a guy that you build on. You don't get rid of for draft picks, hoping that you're going to fill that spot because you tried to fill that spot next to him. And guess what? You failed. Let's see what they continue to do. Third, they need to figure out what they want to do with Deion Jones. Either by trading him or restructuring him, you can free up some money. But right now, Deion Jones is in a position to where he's going to make a lot of dead money, whether you trade him or cut him. And so you need to get some capital and some relief. And the only way to do that is restructuring or trade him. So cutting him is not an option. You are not in a position to lose that money, especially when you still have $15 million of dead money on the cap already from Julio Jones. The last thing that I feel like the Falcons need to address within free agency is that they need to address this running back position. And they need to do it in a way that's actually going to be helpful. Would I love Corderell Patterson back? Absolutely, I would love Corderell Patterson back. Is he going to be a guy that can actually come in at a good salary? I don't know. He had a career year. If people are talking about paying him $6 million a year, You cannot pay a guy 
that's about to turn 32 during next season, $6 million a year, and expect anything good to happen. He had a career year. And expecting to overpay for him when you're in a cap-limited situation is not the right move. I think the most that I would pay for him is $5 million. I Also, that comes with cutting Mike Davis, resigning Quadri Olison, and then drafting a running back. Because Corderell Patterson is a great weapon. However, if you're having to pay $6 million for him, that is an overpay for a guy who had career numbers as a gadget guy. It is on the other side of his prime. It's a damn shame that Cordero Patterson was not found to be used to his effectiveness until he reached the Falcons, where they saw his peak. But you have to say that his best days as an athlete are behind him. And that although he wants to stay within the Falcons doing something like spending around 40% of your current cap space for a guy on the bad side of 30 does not make sense for a team that needs to rebuild. The Falcons went 7-10 this season. That is not a team that is in position to pay big money for a gadget guy when there are over when there's almost 45% of the starters that need to be filled. And for a guy that I would say was a starter, but kind of not really. It's, it's weird to talk about Cordero Patterson within those lights because what was he exactly? And that's what we need to really figure out. <sighs> wow, I, I say all that to say the Falcons have a lot of work that needs to get done. And I'm concerned on what they're actually going to be able to do. It's definitely going to be interesting. So we'll see. We'll see. Because Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith have a lot of discussions that need to be had to ensure that they are doing the best that they can to make this team more competitive. Because they've set the number of what they need to achieve at least next year. Because if you don't win over seven games, you're taking a step back on a team that was always already described to not have a lot of talent and did not have arguably two of their best players over the past two years over that time. You're listening to The Slip with Brandon Baird. And now for the MLB Braves update. They're still in a lockout. There is no update. Get it done, players. Get it done, owners. The only people that are hurting are the fans. This is The Slip with Brandon Baird. Welcome back to The Slip. 
I think it's time to do a little bit of a roundtable of things going on in Atlanta sports. First, let's talk with the Atlanta Hawks. They are back to the 10th seed overall in the East after having a little bit of a down spell where their defense was absolutely atrocious while Trey Young continues to play at an MVP level. And I do not say that lightly when I say he's playing at an MVP level. However, when you are playing like that and you are still not winning, you are not going to get the recognition that you deserve. And with that, this this Atlanta Hawks team needs to find a way to build up some defense. It seems like the Atlanta Falcons as a team that consistently cannot have defense. However, over this past seven or six game win streak I can't remember exactly which one it is they have been able to increase their defensive efficiency which is creating so much better opportunities for them to win they beat the Celtics they beat the Heat recently um, and they also beat the Bucks recently. These are those games that they need to continue to win and continue to fight with them because those are the top of the top of the teams. Those are those teams that you need to continue to beat. And those are the teams that are within the division. So you're going to play them more. The Hawks need to continue with that. And Trey Young needs to continue to do his things. Now, more recently, Cam Reddish was traded to the Knicks for one uh, a a, um, a protected first round draft pick and I was wondering why the Hawks front office would do such a thing well it turns out that it's something that Cam Reddish wanted and that the Hawks were going to get rid of them once they found a team that were going to take um, or give them exactly what they were offering and the team that was able to do that first was the Knicks. And now I thought, wow, look at the times where he splashed and showed a lot of talent. But apparently, a team that went to the conference finals last year and was young and was building and was really growing in the minds of a lot of minds around the NBA. He didn't want to be on that team. He said, I wanted to be somewhere else. Apparently something didn't work for him within Atlanta. And if that's the fate that he wants, get rid of him. There's no point in having a person like that around a team that is attempting to grow and reach that new level where they have so much cohesion with each other. It only stands to say that when I saw Cam Reddish play his first game with the Knicks, he was absolutely he was absolutely atrocious. He did not play well, taking ridiculous shots that did not work for that team, doing things that did not work within that Knicks system, trying to do too much to try to prove that he is a good player. Can Cam Reddish at one point become that player that a lot of people envision for him? Maybe. But the current way that he's doing that right now is not the way that's going to help him in the future. Was this the right move for both teams? Yes, because the Knicks needed 
some more talent, especially some talent that can shoot. And the Hawks needed to get rid of a player. Unfortunately, they're going to lose some draft capital on him because he was the number eight pick overall when he was picked. As he was gotten when the the Hawks traded their number three and went to number four, they picked up a draft pick, and that's where Dallas picked up Luka Doncic, and then of course Trey Young was drafted by the the front by the Hawks. I keep messing that up. <laughs> I think that is the right move. Because right now, when I'm looking at who right now is the better player, Luka Doncic is a dog. But Trey Leung is looking like the long-term answer that Atlanta needed. On the other end of... Um, downtown Atlanta right next to State Farm Arena is of course Mercedes-Benz Stadium where not only the Atlanta Falcons play but also Atlanta United who is going to start their season within the next month they already have training going on and they have a few scheduled scrimmages against various teams to get prepared for the MLS season now when thinking about what um, is going on with Atlanta United? They picked up a really talented guy out of River Plate. However, Ezekiel Barco, one of those players that they got a few years back, wants to make the move to the European League. Another up and coming player, George Bello, who is currently on the U.S. men's national team and has not been training with Atlanta United. Um, was just announced that he will be going over to Europe for a German team where he can continue to grow and, um, you know, reach his ultimate goal of playing in Europe and hopefully growing some more. Am I a little bit upset that George Bellows leaving the team? Yes, because I felt like he was a great player that I wanted to see grow. And I felt like he needed a little bit more growth to be going on. Um, as he prepared to be a part of, um, you know, a bigger team. He's a very young player, very talented player. But he only showed in spurts um, what he was capable of doing. And I do hope the best for George Bella. I just wish that we could have seen a little bit more growth for Atlanta United. Well, this has been the Slip in Atlanta Sports Podcast for the true ATLian. I, of course, am the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore Slip. You can also catch me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Bairdian Slip. It's been a lot of fun. We have a lot of things that we'll be getting into this next week. Or hopefully I'll be able to go a little bit into the Falcons draft hopes and what they need to be looking at within a draft. I'll go over some possible mock drafts. But until then, as always, don't slip. <laughs>